Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. All right, if you got your Bibles, you're going to want to open with me today to Numbers chapter 11. I'm, uh, I'm already up against it with the clock, so I'm going to jump into this. Numbers 11 is where we're going to be. It's not our text for today, but that's where we're going to spend our time, Numbers 11. So if you've got a Bible, open it up. Before I get into all that, let me just say a couple of things, all right? Uh, first of all, um, we're going to be doing Harvest Palooza signups in two weeks. They start in two weeks. Two weeks, Harvest Palooza signups. If you don't know what Harvest Palooza is, let me just throw this out here. We believe in sending our church to make an impact in Cambodia and El Salvador. But we also believe our church can make an impact in this area. So we dreamed of a way to make an impact in this area and to share the love of Jesus in this area with people here. And you need to be culturally sensitive. And one of the things is we're not trying to reach church people. We want to reach people who are far from God. So we wanted to create an event that said to people who are far from God that God loves you, we love you, we don't judge you, we accept you, and we want you to experience, first of all, love and acceptance, and then the salvation that comes from Jesus. So uh, God commendeth his love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were a long way from God, God was moving towards us. So we as a church want to move towards people that would never come to church, all right? So we created an event for people who don't go to church. It's called Harvest Palooza. We offer free games. We offer free uh, food. We offer bounce houses for the kids. We offer free music, live music, face painting, balloon animals, kids' games. We offer, uh, let me see, oh, the best fireworks show in the area. And we do all of this, by the way. And what do we ask of anybody that shows up? Nothing. It's free. So we, as a church, get to serve our community. And that is a privilege for you. So uh, we use to say, you know, you can sign up up until the last day. We're not saying that anymore. You, the 31st, sign-up's going to open. You get to do this. You get to do this. And if you don't want to do it bad enough to sign up in advance, then I don't think you got a good enough attitude to serve this church and our community. So, we're going to ask you the 31st, start signing up, because it's a privilege. We're giving you an opportunity to make an impact on our world, to do something in our community here locally. And by the way, every one of you that signs up, do you know in that moment you just stepped out of being a normal person to being a leader? Did you know that all of you, I I was listening to a leadership study the other day, and the leadership study, it was a podcast, and and the guy who wrote the book was saying that leaders are our potential in every single one of us. Every single one of us have potential to be leaders because every single one of us at some point in our life is called upon to be a leader. Did you know that? You ever tell a kid no? Anybody ever tell a kid no? You just stepped into being a leader in that moment. Anybody ever hold a door for somebody to get into a location? In that moment, you just stepped into being a leader. We are all leaders at some level, and there's potential in us all. So this message today is going to be for all of us. But before I get too serious, I was down south, and I saw an alligator, and I thought, you know, I'd really like to cook an alligator for dinner. 
but all I had was a crock pot. <laughs> somebody, somebody sent me this one the other day, and I'll just let this one speak for itself. You'll get that later this afternoon. All right. All right. We're going to be in Numbers 11. Before we do that, I want to put up the picture of two tennis players. Last Sunday, after I watched service here online, I was feeding my granddaughter on the couch, and I turned on Wimbledon. And it was the finals. And the two that were playing were Kyrgios and Djokovic. 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 Forget if I mess up their names, they'll forgive me. Anyway, the guy on the left, Kyrgios, he is, um, he is an incredible talent. Um, probably one of the most talented, honestly, according to the announcers and from what I saw, the most talented tennis player probably ever. He hits serves at or above 140 miles an hour. There is not a place on the court he can't get. He is an athletic Freak of nature. He's amazing. But he has a problem. And his problem is that his character isn't strong enough to sustain his athletic prowess. All right, you see left hand, see the face? What happened is there were four sets played on Sunday. Four. The first one, Kyrgios won soundly because his talent was leading. But then something happened that made that come out of him, for which he was fined $17,000. All right, so it wasn't just me saying this. I'm watching this. He actually got fined for it. The guy on the right, he was calm. Of course he has talent, but he has something different. He has character. Um, I could give you a couple of reasons I believe that, but his after, just listen to his after winning acceptance speech, and it oozes with character from one, uh, honoring his opponent who didn't honor him, two, from um, um, calling out a truth even when he could have got away with a half-truth, all kinds of things. Now, the reason I tell you this is because there are people that have brushed up against Christianity that don't want to have anything to do with Christianity because they see people like the guy on the left. They see people that are spiritually gifted but don't have the character to support their gifting. And one of the things I'm trying to do with the sermon series is to convince you, and I'm being honest here, I'm being very forthright about my motives. I'm trying to convince you to be open to receiving the fullness of the Holy Ghost and power. God wants to empower you with supernatural giftings through the Holy Spirit. He wants you to step into this new level of power and authority and grace and strength. And he wants that for you. But I've got a warning today. If you step into that power without the character to sustain it, you could do more harm than good. Does everybody follow me? All right, good. So the purpose of today, if you got to leave, is this. I got it in one little statement. Is that filled does not equal fruit. Now, we're going to talk about, a little later in the sermon series, we're going to talk about the indwelling Holy Spirit that happens at the moment at which you believe. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell you. 
We're going to talk about that a little later. But I also want to show you, and I will show you from Scripture, how there is an indwelling moment, but there is a second experience called the empowering moment when you are filled with the Holy Ghost. Are are y'all following me here? So there's two things. There's this indwelling moment where the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, fill you, and give you a life and a future with God. But there is an empowering moment where he gives you the power to do supernatural divine things that you cannot do in your own strength. There are two separate moments. And what I'm trying to convince you, and I'm being honest about this, is that this Holy Spirit empowering moment is for all of us. But I'm issuing a warning. If you step into power that you're not developing the character for, you could do more harm than good. There was a guy in the Bible that had all kinds of spiritual power, right? But yet he liked character. Does anybody know Samson? Samson supernaturally was empowered by God to be able to, I don't know, kill a thousand people with the jawbones, pick a, uh, the city gates up, put them on his shoulders and carry them a mile up a hill. He was supernaturally empowered to do all kinds of amazing feats that human beings can't do in their own strength. And he was able to do them through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that wants to empower you. But he lacked character and his story is one of the saddest stories in the Bible because Just because you're filled with God's power doesn't mean you walk out the fruit of discipline. So would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word today as we read? Uh, We will go to Numbers, by the way. We will get to Numbers chapter 11, but we're going to start here reading in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, this is the fruit he wants to produce out of him living in you. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can you imagine a police officer pulling you over, lights in your rearview mirror, pulls you over, says, step out of the car, handcuffs you. What did I do wrong? You were too kind. <laughs> You're going to jail. Why? You love people. You showed peace. Come on, right? Can you imagine this? Do you want to hang out with people that have this in their life? Of course you do. That's why the very next statement here in Galatians chapter 5.22 says, against these things, there's no law. Against these things, there's no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus, so how do we get these gifts, these fruit in our lives? Well, this is what you must do. You must put to death, you must crucify your flesh, with your passions and your desires. You must put to get death what you want so that God can work through you what everybody needs. I don't think y'all caught that. You must put to death what you want so the Holy Spirit can work through you what everybody around you needs. Those who have belonged to Christ have crucified the flesh with their passions and their desires. And how do I know that just because you have the, 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 the spirit in you, how do I know that you still struggle? Well, first of all, this warning, but look at this one, this verse. Let's, since we live by the spirit, let's keep in step with the spirit. So he's encouraging you to stay in alignment with the Holy Spirit in your life. And then he gives us a warning. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Let's, if fruit was natural, he wouldn't warn us that there are things in our thoughts and our passions and our desires that keep us from fruit. 
Just because you're gifted, just because God gives you gifts, it doesn't mean that you automatically have the character to support those gifts. So you have to work to make sure you don't become conceited, 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 conceited. You know what conceited is, right? I deserve. I is always the first word of conceited. Provoking and envying each other. So there's a struggle that goes on here when we become filled with us. And I want to talk to you about that today from Numbers chapter 11. So before we do, Father, I ask that you would speak to your servants today in this word of warning. I believe it is a message from God. Let it be communicated in a way that every person that hears it will receive it and develop the character to produce fruit in their life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Wait, 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 wait. Before you're seated, there's somebody near you that they have not had a lot of love in their life. They haven't had a lot of joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and forbearance. And they just need somebody close to them to give them some of that good stuff. So before you're seated, would you turn and give some good stuff? You know, a smile, maybe a hug, a little love, a little peace. Come on, pass it on. Say hi to somebody close to you and give it. Hey, if you're online, here it is to you. Love and peace and blessing from me. All right, I told you we'll be in Numbers 11. But let me make the first point. There are two clear points I want to make regarding giftedness and fruitfulness. And number one is God's spirit is for everyone. Now, I am specifically talking here about the empowering Holy Spirit. Of course, God wants everybody to be saved. But there's a difference here, and I'm talking to you right now about God wants to give you supernatural gifts and abilities and work through you in powerful ways. And I believe God wants to do that for every single person I'm speaking to. One of the reasons I believe that is it's very clear in Scripture. And uh, to get there, we'll talk about the New Testament in just a second, but let's go to story of Moses in Numbers chapter 11, because this will help us understand what I really want to communicate. God really started dealing with me from this passage personally while I was on vacation. I, I spent some time, you can see I'm going through numbers in my Bible reading, and God was talking to me about my responses, and I just want to share with you what God was talking to me. Are you all all right with that? So I'm not preaching at you this morning. I'm sharing with you what God's been talking to me. Do we understand that? All right, good. So if you get all like, how dare he say that to me? I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that to me, and you just might be listening to it. All right, Numbers chapter 11, verse 14. Moses is overwhelmed. He is overwhelmed. Mo Numbers eleven fourteen. I cannot carry all these people by myself. So Moses had just led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and now he's walking through the wilderness. And these knotheads, they're, they're rebelling Every single time you turn around, they're doing another act of rebellion. And Moses is fed up with it. And he says, I can't carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, God, just go ahead and kill me. Now, I prayed that prayer. I know that prayer pretty well. And there may be some of you in this room, you prayed that prayer. I just can't handle this, God. Why don't you just kill me and get it over with? And, and if you prayed that prayer... I, I, first of all, I want to tell you, you're not a bad person for praying that prayer. It just means you're overwhelmed. And if you're overwhelmed, 
then you're going to have to do what, Paul, what Moses did, and that's take some steps to deal with the level of tension that you're carrying in your life. If the burdens you're carrying are too heavy for you, you need to take some steps to deal with it. And as a person that's been there, I will tell you, you have to take some steps and deal with it. So what happened is God showed Moses how to deal with it. He said, if I found favor in your eyes, do not let me face my own ruin. Because he thought, I can't handle this. I'm coming to an end. And the Lord said to Moses, this is what God said to do. He said, you're carrying too much. I agree with you. So bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to, to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. And I will come down and speak to you there. And I will take some of the power that's on the power of the spirit this empowering Holy Spirit caused Moses to be able to strike the Nile and it turned into blood, strike the, the Red Sea and it split open to strike the rock and water come out. Moses was doing a lot of striking. Anyway, he was the first striker. He didn't know. Anyway, anyway, he said, I will take some of the power of the Spirit that's on you and I will put it on these 70. So I'm going to take the power of the Spirit that I've given you and I'm going to empower 70 people with the same power that's on you, Moses. It makes sense, right? And then he says, they will then share the burden of the people with you so that you don't have to carry it alone. Sounds like a good plan to me, right? If you got too much work, delegate. Yeah, I like that. You got too much going on in your life. Cause your kids to pick up their own plates and pick up their own toys because maybe your burden is on you because you're doing things somebody else ought to be doing. Maybe you're taking too much responsibility at work and there are people that are being lazy because you're doing all the work for them. They're allowed to be lazy because you do too much. No, the scriptures never speak to us. So what he's doing is God says, all right, Moses, I'm going to take the spirit that I put on you and I'm going to put it on 70. And this is what happened. The Holy Spirit came down. 70 were gathered. They gathered out the tent of meeting. And the Holy Spirit came on them. And they began to prophesy. Prophesy. By the way, anytime the Holy Spirit comes upon you in the Bible, your mouth does something. By the way, you can look that up. I will guarantee you that. Holy Spirit comes on you, your mouth's going to do something. They begin to prophesy. So, pick up at Numbers chapter 11, verse 26. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad. Those are cool, cool names. I should have named my child Medad. <laughs> they had remained in the camp. And they were listed among the elders, but they did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit rested on them too. They didn't, they didn't actually do everything right, but God still gave them the Holy Spirit as well. A young man ran and told Moses, Ildad and Medad are prophesying in the camp because they got the Holy Spirit's power too and they started prophesying too. And Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since you, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, and I want you to hear the attitude here. He replied, are you jealous for me? He said, I wish, this is my desire, I want all of the Lord's people to be prophets. I want every single person in this camp to have the power of the Holy Spirit upon them. And I want them to live in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Every one of them. Amen. What was Moses' desire? For everybody to live in that powerful blessing. By the way, this is the content of God's will. 
We know it because later on, Joel, the prophet Joel, would prophesy, and he would make a statement that God wanted to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And then on the day of Acts, in Act, uh, day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, Peter stood up and he preached a sermon. He said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on how many people? Come on. So God wants the same power that was on Samson, that was on David, that was on Jeremiah, that was on, uh, 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 um, come on, I'm thinking Isaiah, Ezekiel, the same power that was on, oh, who was the first prophet? Come on. It, don't you hate it when your brain goes blank? He was the first prophet. And Wow. I'm really ticked off. He did six miracles, and the guy that's named sound Elijah and Elisha. Yeah. He did six miracles. Elisha did 12 miracles because he received a double portion of his spirit. Come on. I want to pour all this out to you, and I feel like sometimes there's a barrier in my words that can't enable you to hear. And I want you to hear that God wants to pour out that kind of power in you and through you. And it says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit those days and they will prophesy. And then a little later on that day, Peter stood up and he preached this message and he's, he's replying to the people and he says in Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now we know he's talking about that Pentecostal outpouring because that's what they were talking to him about. So yes, they're to receive, they're to, to be saved and baptized, but there is a, an experience experience of the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, this promise, who is this promise for? You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, but this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That would include who? As many as the Lord our God will call. Has, any, has God called anybody in this room out of your sin into, into his life? Has he called you? Whether you've responded or not, he has called you, right? So if he has called you, he has the gift of the Holy Spirit for you, for all whom the Lord our God will call. God wants you to be filled with the Holy Ghost and power. All right, so that's the first statement. God wants all of us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. He wants to give us those gifts of prophesying, those gifts of, of power, of miracles, of signs and wonders. But something happens, though, and this is the warning Something happens to people who get that power. Sometimes empowered people get prideful. Sometimes empowered people get prideful. And can you put that up on the screen for them? There you go. And sometimes empowered people can get prideful. Now, I'm going to give you a couple stories of people right out of the text. I curse you, clock, in the name of Jesus. Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. Miriam and Aaron began to talk with Moses, talk against Moses, because of his what? Cushite wife. It's funny to me. Who is Miriam? Miriam's the one that grabbed the tambourine and danced and sang the song in Deuteronomy. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. Anybody remember singing that song? A couple of you. Yeah, we're still singing her song because she was a prophetess. So she was empowered by God, given power. Who was Aaron? Aaron was the priest. Aaron was the priest that was given authority to intercede for the entire people of Israel. So we're talking two spiritually gifted and empowered people. And what did they do? 
they begin to talk. Actually, it wasn't, I don't think it was Aaron that was doing all the talking. Aaron was just passively listening like guys do when they're wimps and don't rebuke people who say things around them. It was Miriam having a cat fight with a Cushite wife. Can I just say something here? I asked God for permission in the first service, and he let me say it. So I figured he'll let me say it this service. Uh, ladies, we love you, we respect you, but I'm telling you, you can be really catty, and it's never good when you are. If you're picking on another girl, you, you want to see a fight, put three girls in a room, let them bond for a couple of seconds, then introduce a fourth girl into the room, and you will have a fight. Because there's something in your nature, ladies, I, I, I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying there's something in your nature that is prone towards not getting along with other women. And can I say this? It does not honor God when you do that. So notice Miriam was mad about his Cushite wife. She didn't like him because she's a wrong, from the wrong place, wrong state. Actually, can I, can I just be honest with you guys? She was probably black. Cushite means she was from Africa. She was probably black. And Miriam was probably acting racially towards his Moses. By the way, mixed marriage, that race, mixed marriage that God didn't seem to mind. He thought it was all right. But it's funny that the religious people got all super spiritual and didn't like it. By the way, if, you're, if you've got a problem with racial, interracial, interracial marriage, whatever the heck that means, if you've got a problem with that, look in the mirror. The problem's you. Can we go to the next, next line? What happened then? Um, they, they then projected an argument. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through me too? Aren't I important too? Come on, can you hear this attitude popping up? So what did God do in anger? Numbers chapter 12, verse 9. In anger, the Lord burned against them, and he left them. And when a cloud lifted above the tent, Marion's skin was leprous. She became white as snow. God's like, I don't like this talk, and I'm going to take care of it. You don't like black? I'm going to make you white then. <laughs> oh, come on. It got quiet in the room. <laughs> you, you, I'm going to punish you. And, and uh, all right, so, all right, enough about Miriam, because Miriam did it wrong, but I want to talk to you about what the guy who did it right was. The guy who did it right was Moses. Notice what happened in Numbers chapter 12, verse 13. The, then Moses cried out to the Lord, please, God, do what? Heal her. She's attacking me, and I'm praying for her to get what? Are y'all following this? Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? Father, what did he say next? Father, what? Forgive them. They're idiots. They don't even know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. When he was dying, what did Stephen do when Stephen was being stoned? He prayed, Father, forgive them. So I want you to see that there's a biblical pattern here that when people persecute you, you should pray for them instead of respond in kind. He prayed, God, heal her. All right, so and the second one. I, I'll try to move this quick. The next uh, rebellion comes from Korah and 250 leaders. It's in Numbers chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. Korah, son of Izar. You should read these names instead of me. Son of Koah, son of Levi, certain Reubenites, Dathan and Abraham, sons of Eliab, and On. I like that guy's name, On. I can pronounce that one right. Son of Peleth. 
Notice what they did. They became insolent and rose up against Moses. Now, who are these people that are insolent and attacking Moses? With them were 250 Israelite men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. Probably the 70. There were a lot of the 70 in whom the Holy Spirit had fallen. They were there among them. They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you've gone too far. You've gone too far. The whole community is holy. Every one of us. And the Lord is with every one of us. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? And I want you to notice Moses' reaction. When Moses heard this, what did he do? Who do you fight when you're in this position? Who do you talk to when you're in this position? There's only two people you can talk to. God and yourself, unless you have a mic. <laughs> God and yourself. Moses did what? He fell face down. We'll talk about what he talked about in just a second. But let's go on down. Uh, chapter 16, verse 8, Moses said to Korah, now you listen, you Levites. Isn't it enough for you that God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the Israelite community? He's made you leaders. Come on. He's made you special. And he's brought you near himself to do the work of the Lord's tabernacle to stand before the community and minister to them. You're already leaders. He's brought you and your fellow Levites to live near himself. He's given you a special place with them. But now you are trying to get the priesthood too. God's gift is not enough for you because you are envying and provoking because you're conceited. It's against the Lord that you and your followers have banded together. So I wonder what God did. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, he said, separate yourselves from this assembly so I can put an end to all of them at once. And what did Moses and Aaron do? What did they do? Come on, can you go to the next slide? What did they do? Once again, they're confronted. And what did they do? Face down. Notice their response. And they cried out. And listen to what they cried out. Oh, God. The God who gives breath to all living things, will you be angry with the entire assembly when only one man sins? Then the Lord said to Moses, all right, say to the assembly, move away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abraham. And the ground, uh, in Numbers chapter 16, verse 31, how did God punish them? The ground under them split apart and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them and their households. Can you imagine your kids are at their dinner table and you got like three kids sitting around and one of them starts mouthing off, and all of a sudden the earth underneath them goes, and then comes back around and the other two kids are sitting there going. Love you, daddy. Thank you. I mean, I'm just picturing what's going on here. What's going on here is that God had gifted Korah, but Korah didn't have the character to sustain his giftedness, and it wound up causing not only his death, but his entire family and two other families with him. So, can we talk about some lessons? I've already told you all of your leaders. Can we talk about the character that it takes to lead properly? So just two lessons from this for you when the Holy Spirit empowers you. Number one, true leaders desire what's best for those who follow them. True leaders desire what's best for those they serve, their people. Moses sought for the people to be filled with the Spirit 
even at his own personal expense. Moses sought that other people would be lifted up and given positions of leadership and authority and power. Moses wanted them to enter into God's fullness, God's power, and God's blessing. And a true leader desires the good of those they lead, even if it's at their personal expense. If you're a parent, you're a teacher, you're a coworker, whatever you do with your life, the way you know you're a real leader is when you want what's best for them, even if you have to do things that are hard. Second of all, true leaders, when they desire what's best, they don't seek revenge even when they're attacked. Ooh. So somebody comes at you, and you don't respond in kind, you respond with kind. And then true leaders do not elevate themselves at someone else's expense. Never elevate themselves, so they desire the good. All right, so, and then second of all, true leaders exhibit humility. They exhibit humility. They fall face down. Uh, can I talk to you because this past week I had an exchange with somebody, it doesn't matter. But the exchange left me frustrated and angry, wanting to strike back. And I figure I can't preach to you what I'm not willing to practice myself. So in my basement, I remember it well. I fell face down and I prayed three prayers. While I was there, the first prayer I prayed was, God, would you intervene? Would you do something? Because it's not my job to defend myself. The second thing I did was I asked the question, God, the, come on, you need to listen to this one. God, are they right? What truth are they speaking that I'm doing wrong? Real leaders accept that sometimes we screw up and the barking of other people may not be them rebelling against us. It may be pointing out someplace that we are missing it. And that's tough. And then the last thing is, God, would you show mercy? Show mercy to them and would you judge fairly? I have a verse, this is sort of my life verse, my banner verse. It is, my salvation and my honor depend on God. I don't have to defend myself all the time. I just need to fall face down and let God do the dealing with me, and then he will deal with you. And there are some of you right now, you're conceited. And every time that there's something you don't like, you respond in kind rather than with kind. And you need to fall face down because you're unrepentant in your heart and you're causing damage through your lack of character. That's strong. But please understand, I love you and I love your kids probably more than you. Yes, I do love your kids more than you. I want your kids to grow healthy. For them to be healthy, you're gonna to have to act like the adult in the room. I love our world and our, want our world to be saved. But our world will never be saved as long as Christians are still running around acting like jerks.
It's about time we get some character. It's about time we act with the fruit of the Spirit instead of conceited self-promotion. I'm not going to say her name. I could tell you her name. But she came, I was a youth pastor in Wilmington. We had a church of about 100, 120 people on a good Sunday. I was a youth pastor, and I was struggling to get a youth group of 15 to 16 kids. We had one family that came. They had six of the 16 kids in my youth ministry were those six kids. Uh, this woman was spiritually gifted. She had the gift of tongues and prophecy. And it got to where every Sunday morning, she sat back left-hand side of that little chapel in the church we were at. She would give a tongue an interpretation or a prophecy every single Sunday morning. And they increasingly got more angry and more harsh. And finally, me and the pastor, we had a conversation about it and finally decided he was going to talk to her and tell her, you can't do this anymore. So he had a talk with her and said, for a month, you, you cannot. The spirit of the su- prophets are subject to the prophets. For a month, you are not allowed to give a message in this church for a month. You're not allowed to because you need to take some time and seek God for yourself rather than trying to speak on behalf of God. What do you think her response was? Yes, pastor, I will do that. No, no. She got up in a huff and said, you'll never see us in this church again and got up and walked out and took her husband and her six teenagers with her. And she took our six teenagers out of our youth group of 16, and in two weeks we had 25 kids in our youth service. Cast out the mocker, and out goes strife, quarrels and insults are ended. She had spiritual giftedness. She had a ministry in town. She had all of the gifts. She did not have the character to sustain it. And she was tainting an entire generation under her that was hindering the work of God. I could tell you a story about my first pastor's wife. That she could walk in and the Holy Ghost would hit her and she'd dance and shout her hair down and she'd walk up to you and prophesy to you what you did the night before and grab you and take you to the altar and then walk right out the back door and gossip about you to other. By the way, that's the reason I took one of my friends there and he said, I ain't never going back to that crazy place ever again. Because spiritual giftedness does not equal character. Fruit and power are not the same thing. I want you to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to have the character to sustain it. Okay, I'll be done. I got more illustrations and stuff, I'm done. Um, Here's the deal. Would you pray a prayer with me? Maybe just hold your hands like this. Say this prayer with me. Holy Spirit, please fill me today and help me walk with you. We're going to replace that second line. I don't like that line as much. We're going to pray it this way. We're going to say, Holy Spirit, please fill me today and help me build your kingdom. That's a prayer I like to pray every day of my life. Holy Spirit, please fill me today and help me build your kingdom. Holy Spirit, please fill me today 
And if you've got any barriers against the baptism of the Holy Spirit, against the power of that Pentecostal experience, if you've got any hindrances, I want you to just start praying this prayer with me on a regular basis and believe that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you with supernatural and divine power. Okay? Second thing. There's some of you, it's time for you to fall face down. If you want to do it now, you want to do it later this afternoon, I don't care when you do it, but you need to fall face down. You're living out of your pride and out of your arrogance. You need to fall face down. You need to let God take care of it. You need to let him wash away the hurts and the wounds. And you need to ask the question, are they right? Father God, I pray that as we uh, become the people you want us to be, we would fall that face down and say those prayers. Amen. So we get a chance to crucify our flesh and remind ourselves we have communion today. I wanted to do it. I didn't know I'd preach this long. Sorry. I only did two pages of notes. If you need a, a communion elements, uh, I believe these guys have some. Just raise your hand. I believe we've also got gluten-free. There's some people up here, Herb. Um, we're going to celebrate communion together. I really only prepared two pages of notes today because I didn't want to preach a long time. Sorry. Not sorry to you, sorry to the nursery workers back there. By the way, there's some of you, you need to lead and you need to begin serving the nursery and kids ministry. It's time for you to begin doing it. Do whatever steps you need to do and make it happen. Thanks. Amen. All right? Good. All right. Yeah, you serve the most of these. They might be the least of these to you. Herb, there's another one over here. Might be the least of these to you, but those kids back there, they're more important than you. They got their entire lives to live in front of them. I love those guys. I walk through and pray for their space and their place in those kids all the time. Those kids deserve our best. And if you're our best, give them your best. If you can be mean and suck, don't go back there. <laughs> That's a good introduction to communion, right? <laughs> Welcome to Harvest Ridge. <laughs> I believe Jesus would, honestly, I believe Jesus would, would say stuff like that too. I really do believe he would. Because he loves us. Father, I pray that today as we partake of this bread, we would repent of our sins and be covered. Thank you, Jesus, that you said, forgive us, for we don't know what we're doing. We nailed you. Our sins nailed you to the cross. And you still forgave us anyway. We forgive those who sinned against us. And we ask that you forgive us our sins. Thank you that your body was broken so we could be free. Let us partake together. said this in the new covenant in my blood which is for you do this in remembrance of me we thank you Jesus for your awesome power that you were resurrected from the dead so we know that any sacrifice we make on this life any sacrifice will be washed away with the greatness of your eternal life and you will cause us to enter into your eternal covenant blessings not only in eternity but now we can walk in that power thank you and we partake of this cup remembering your shed blood in the new covenant you gave us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's take together.
ask you to do one thing. Would you stand with me and would you sing this old hymn? I think it will be worth your time. Just take a couple of minutes and sing with us.